0: Welcome everyone to Revved Up for Sunday from New Canaan, Connecticut, St. Mark's Episcopal Church. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey.
1: I'm Justin Crisp, and I'm Peter Walsh.
0: And today we have uh, Jesus. Wait for it. The nice guy. Jesus is nice today, and he's talking to the scribes about they're questioning him about the greatest commandments, and uh, out of six hundred and thirteen, he has to pick the best one. <laughs> Interestingly, this Sunday coincides with Halloween, so we might find a few interesting tie-ins to All Hallows and All Hallows Eve. So shall we go? Okay. The Gospel according to St. Mark. One of the scribes came near and heard the Sadducees disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The Gospel of the Lord. Pretty. Pretty good. Uh, so I have to pick a bone with the very last sentence already because <laughs> did they really dare thing. not ask him any more questions? Maybe no not. Maybe not for the rest of the gospel, but I think centuries of questions for Jesus have have followed. But uh, anyway, this is a great gospel. It's one of my favorites, actually. So um, anyone have a opening pitch?
1: Well, Peter, you were talking about how many... Um laws there actually are, and I think he brought a list to do a dramatic reading of on the podcast.
0: Um, Go <laughs> we'll get a cup of coffee.
2: <laughs> yeah, why, why were you counting laws? I'm just curious. Well, um, I, I had this incredible passage, and as we were talking before we turned all the rest of you on, uh, as uh, as said in all commentaries, uh, by, by Jesus' day there are 16, uh, 613 laws, excuse me, 613 and uh, the question here is not which is the first, but which is the most important, which is primary. Mm-hmm. And, and and Jesus gives us a bonus, right? So he names to, uh, the Shema, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And then we get a bonus here, right? We get the bonus of the second commandment, which... Uh, It comes from the book of Leviticus. So I couldn't help myself, and I launched into the book of Leviticus (laughs) to find out where this was. And uh, so in the book of Leviticus, we get uh, in the neighborhood of this, uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in the context of the book of Leviticus, it actually could be interpreted as being, do not love your Jewish neighbor. Uh, I mean, uh, do not do anything against, this could be a Jewish thing or within the within the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also on this page, there was a lot of other things that caught my eye. Uh, do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. And do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Uh, so just to get a, uh, I'll, I'll leave off the other 610, uh, but uh, that'll be the addendum to this. I'll get to the other 610 along. But anyway, uh, Jesus pairing the, the Shema with this, with this uh, piece that's not actually even a whole piece uh, from the book of Leviticus. So it's not new material, but he's putting it together in a particular mm-hmm. way. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I
1: have to say, I really love It sounds a little weird, but I love you shall love your neighbor as yourself because it's um, the neighbor is the person who's right next to you. It sounds like an incredibly, uh, it is an incredibly tall order to fulfill, right? Uh, But it's also, it's also circumscribed in a way that makes it possible for us as limited, finite, ordinary human beings, ordinary beings, period, to at least aspire to fulfill it. So, there's this um, – I've been thinking while we were um, – while I was looking at, this, uh, looking at this passage in the last couple of days, thinking about a – I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it actually happened. I can't even remember where I came across it. But um, a, uh, a, an Anglican priest who teaches at Oxford, Graham Ward, got into a debate with the famous postmodern philosopher Jacques Derrida. And Derrida in this debate was talking about how he felt moral paralysis around feeding his cat in the morning. He's like, I can't stand to feed my cat because all that I do when I try to feed my cat is I think about all the other cats in the world that are starving. And then I feel incredible, paralyzing guilt because I'm feeding my cat, but I'm not feeding all the other cats in the world. And Professor Ward comes back and says, well, I'm really sorry about that. That sounds like a miserable condition to, you know, it sounds pretty miserable for your morning routine. But as a Christian, I don't actually have that problem because what were given is this command by Jesus as the the summary of the law which he's inheriting from his uh you know Jesus is not alone in this it's a rabbinic uh kind of trademark by this time but what uh Jews and Christians both share is this command to love your neighbor as yourself it's not all the cats in the world that I'm responsible for feeding it's the cat who's in front of me mm. the cat that God has given me to love—that's who I'm supposed to love, and so part of the discernment—and I know Jesus gets into this in other, in other gospels, in other disputes with uh, people. Who is my neighbor? That's really the question. Mm-hmm. But we don't have this like crippling universal law which none of us can ever aspire to fulfill. Rather, it's like we're thrown into our lives, and we have people who are close to us, and they're the ones who we've been called by God to love. Not that we don't have to love anybody who like doesn't live next to us, but our obligations to them are the people who God has put in front of us, the cat that God has given me to feed, not all the cats in the world. And in a world where there's just too much going on, I find that to be incredibly yeah, controlling. Because if you just open up the page, the, you know, look at the front page of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you could just be like, well... Ready. I'm, I'm ready to give up on the moral life. I'm just going to go back to bed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, not
1: actually yeah. what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> we should look at, well, who's in my path today? Who's right next to me? Who has God given me to love today?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets right to the Good Samaritan story. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy to pass by on the other side of that, that path Yeah, to avoid the person. And I, I think Jesus was really, he was always in the business of inner transformation. In the service of love and you know it, I, he does add this second commandment and i think it's maybe it's matthew or one of the other gospels it, it, this this same exchange occurs i think in all the synoptics and one of them says the second is like unto it or maybe that's just the king james and mm. one of them but one says and the second is like it or we say that also in our prayer right. book at, at our right one eight o'clock service um the second is like unto it you shall love your neighbor as yourself so to love your neighbor is to love god and um, I love that uh, Cynthia Bourgeau translates this as you shall love your neighbor as an extension of yourself, which I really yeah. like because it's not, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily uh, love your neighbor, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you as much as um, see their whole being as, as yourself, as you, you know, mm-hmm. your, their loneliness is your loneliness. Their suffering is your suffering, the world's and their by extension, you know, it is overwhelming, but I think that once, you know, when a person does the work of of the inner life, and um, we begin to not be burdened by that responsibility, but it becomes a way of seeing and a way of being, and and there's a flow. So, we're, you know, I think when we feel overburdened or overwhelmed, we think that we have it within us, or we should have it within us, to feed the world. But really, you know, what we have flows out and then there's no kind of getting overburdened. You're never carrying it. You're just like letting the the gift of love flow through and there's a lightness to it. You know, yeah. Jesus had a real lightness in his ability to move through crowds and, you know, really take in the person in front of him and then go on his way, you know, and the person's life changed forever. And he didn't, you know, carry that with him or stew about how to do it or anything like that or I'm in a rush you know he never had any of those hang-ups um so I don't know I I think that there's more to it than um than you know do I have enough to feed this cat or this neighbor it's sort of like you know a flow a Mm -hmm. flow issue but I don't know
2: I was wondering how you were gonna get from cat <laughs> really. uh, yeah i it's interesting to hear your reflections uh, for me the um you know as i've as i've grown and aged with the gospel and this passage in particular, it has become more meaningful to me. i think when I was newer to the gospel, um I was like, okay, yep, I got it right, keep moving. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've had more time to reflect on the meaning of life and what the meaning of my life and what's the meaning of the life that's in front of me. And for me, there's a kind of um, simplicity in it and, and to, that it grows out of the being of God. If, if we understand God as love and that the being of God is the being of love, and and then how are we to be in relationship with the being that is love from whom all things flow, well the, it is consonant and and it is the language of of love the 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 the, the uh div- disposition of love in the heart toward the divine mm. and and toward uh and toward the world is to mean that we're all aligned with the ultimate uh ultimate uh first movement of the universe which is which is divine love and that the the fullness of who we become in our lives uh, is uh, to the degree that we love, and that we love in this bloom of light. And whether or not it's to your your cat, I mean, you just literally had a cat die recently, uh, uh, and and or or the people in front of you or your your the the disposition you might feel for the people of Haiti for instance i mean mm-hmm. i mean the, the, which has an uh, unstopping litany of bad news that pours out and how we feel about all this yeah. uh I, so I, I think that the the gospels uh, and the biblical teachings about love uh you know corinthians uh teaching 1 corinthians 13 about love uh, the 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 golden rule, which is in all scriptures, uh, and uh, con, you know Confucius and uh, all mm-hmm. all wisdom teachings. That basically, if you have to talk about what is the meaning of life, what are you supposed to be doing? It's it is love, mm-hmm. and then you could you might pick and parse what kind of how you would think of that word love, caritas, or one of the other definitions mm-hmm. of the word love. But so I, I think like he's got this. This is this to my mind is the foundational. And if you had to just like take. Two or three sentences from the scriptures and say oh someone says I, I can't read all that stuff what's it all about you just give them this and you're getting mm-hmm. on the way yeah. mm-hmm. to giving them i mean i think this is that central that big a piece
0: oh yeah to it it, it comes up every every lectionary cycle i, yeah, say, I'm trying,
1: yeah. I reminded gospel. listening to the two of you that um i mean elizabeth i really like your um i like what you're saying about uh jesus's way has a kind of lightness to it once you align yourself with the flow uh, I'm reminded of um I'll just say my favorite thing that Jesus says is my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. <laughs> and so yoke in the uh yoke in this period is a kind of shorthand for a rabbi's interpretation of the law, right? So you got all the 600 uh <laughs> commands, uh 600 laws and uh, there were rabbis who were around and teaching and they were teaching people how to fulfill all of those laws. And they would call their particular interpretation of the law, their yoke. And so he's saying, my yoke mm-hmm. is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we see here. You know, if he gives us the summary of the law here, and then you add on the, um, the new commandment that he gives the disciples in John to, uh, to love one another as he has loved them, that's it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's the law for jesus and it doesn't even strike me as a law it strikes me as a way of being right Mm -hmm. um i mean elizabeth you're fond of the saying of augustine order your loves and then do as you will or Mm -hmm. something like that uh it is kind of like if you get your heart right Mm -hmm. and then you just live and Mm -hmm. i think getting your heart right is partly like getting your heart right in alignment with god which is where like you know we've been talking about the neighbor bit but you start out with Ah, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And um, some early theologians who I who I do really love really struggle with this because they're like, well, if I'm supposed to love the Lord with all my heart, do I have anything left to give to my neighbor? Um, Augustine was actually one of these people. It's very hard actually for Augustine in his uh, in his theology to motivate love of neighbor because it's all about God. Augustine, who said, "Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee." Well, if my heart is resting in my cat, or my heart is resting in my love for the two of you, for the people of the parish, or for my wife, Jewel, is it resting in God? And Augustine is really like, ambiguous on the question it's mm, yeah. kind of it's a, it's a huge you know if you give all your heart to god do you have anything left and um i don't i think that he was worrying about something that you don't actually have to worry about as oh. you were saying you know yeah loving your neighbor is loving god or as kierkegaard says all of our love for god is like a um a letter with a forwarding address
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: forwarding address is our neighbor mm-hmm. god just sends all of it on to Our neighbors mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. so that by loving our neighbors, we're loving God, and by loving God, we're loving our neighbors. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's why these two are together. Um,
0: yeah. I love Augustine. I wouldn't call him a mystic, <laughs> really. <right?
1: laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, Saint Teresa of Avila, may, maybe you yeah. could tell us about this, but I think she talked about love as a mirror, mm. maybe. And was it her or Teresa Lesieux? I can't remember. One of on the, the Teresa's, of my I think, called love a mirror or some of the mystics anyways talk about this in multiple traditions about love um, love being a mirror because um, whatever comes in front of it is the honest Mm. look at what it is it just lets it be itself and receives good bad ugly um and then easily lets it go you know it sort of reflects what it is sees what it is for the for the reality It, it Embodies, and then if it if it departs, the mirror easily lets it go. you know there's this kind hmm. of reception of of the whole th- image, and then you know the non judging presence and so to I guess yeah. to be the love of God as a mirror to the world, sort of see you know i see um and we let ourselves be seen that way too, like you know all of our shadow sides and dark sides, and you know psychology even says you have to love all of it in order to have wholeness you know whole love is wholeness and um i I think with when the mystics talk about that uh the mirror is the way that god loves we're made in the image of god and our whole selves are an image of god you know our loneliness our longing our um you know need for one another i think needs for connection it's all it's all of a piece like it's all the wholeness so i think that for Augustine to separate God from cat or wife or colleagues or friends, um, you know, that's a really dualistic way to see the world. And, yeah. and I think it, it is, it comes up problematic in the end, but um, I mean, all respect to Augustine, whose brain <laughs> was about 55 million times bigger than mine. Um, but I, you know, I think that there, there is a progression in the ability to see in a more, um, see as the mystics, see and talk about these two commandments as one totally the way jesus did i love how it rolls off jesus tongue he has he has no hesitation like hmm which one is the greatest you know he's, he's just automatically embodies these two yeah and i like i don't i can't tell if in this this part where the scribe said to him you're right teacher as if it was a quiz or <laughs> is this the scribe saying wow you're right that's true you know is it his moment of enlightenment And then Jesus affirms him, you know, you are right. You are not far from the kingdom of God because the scribe, you know, Mm. repeats that Jesus was right. So I think that's sort of interesting that um, Jesus or the scribe has a moment of epiphany, maybe that. Oh, wow. All this time I've been stewing over 613 laws. And really, this is all all I need to know. You know, I I like to read it that way, but. Because it's a big statement to say this is more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. I mean, their whole system was built on temple sacrifice. And, um, you know, to not do that would be to be not in good standing in their community. Right?
2: Well, yeah, interesting. I mean, this is taking place in the temple courtyards where the mm. teaching is is happening. Mm-hmm. And obviously the scribe is part of the the, the religious machinery of that. Uh, I, I I love the response by the scribe, and and I take it as straight up um, and. I, what I like about it is almost the historicity of it. He's a scribe. He's he's this who studies the scriptures. And how does he respond? He responds with quoting the scriptures. Yeah. And we get a lot of it. And he's quoting from different books of the scriptures. So I I actually think this is this might have some thumbprints of a of a real conversation, so to speak. As we have, Jesus is literally, how do you talk with a biblical scribe? This is mm-hmm. what it might sound like. I believe it's very likely the scribe had all this stuff at the at, at the tip of his tongue too. Uh-huh. And it is a big deal for him to say that that love is greater. Than the cultic activities of the temple life, mm-hmm. and I I think that that sort of thing comes you know back to, to this question of Augustine, who I have a great love for. You know, I named my fourth kid after him. So, um, uh, but and I completely understand Augustine's uh, uh, getting tripped up over all this, and I think that this thing is in some sense more radical than we might we might mm-hmm. uh, take with this. Mm-hmm. And so, for people who are seeking holiness, who so are people who are seeking life within the divine being, coming alive within their being, how what is the way, and so for 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 heavy duty church people, heavy duty temple people, heavy duty synagogue people heavy uh, duty mosque people or whatever your your place of peopleness might be, uh, you know what of those what of those what of those pieties um, might bring you the the being of God within your being, and with the Sadducees saying. This love thing is bigger than all of these pieties mm-hmm. and and so i I think that there is a lot there's actually a lot to that that we might miss, and also with reference to this I, I mean i i the the primary the first is i mean Jesus lays it out, bamboo the first is, and it's love of God, and I don't think that's a and that's not a no brainer mm-hmm. particularly when you're like, "Oh do you think God exists? this is a crazy idea I mean you know uh, and and yeah. now, okay, so now I can come to the being of God, I can say, I believe there is a divine." There is a, there is an otherness out there, and then how does it get to be personal? Like okay, so now that the uh, higher power, how does the higher power then have a name? Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, you know Yahweh has a name, and then does that name mean anything to your name? And how does it get personal? How do you fall in love? What is love? The disposition. Of loving God, not just for what God might do for you, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but speaking of t- Teresa, uh, you know, the the, the the highest love that you might have uh, uh, for a divine being that has love for you, I, I, that is not a no-brainer here. No. Uh, and by putting that out there first, that's the fundamental thing that we are created for. To we're the image of God is is to be made in love and for love, and and that the the primary thing is to love the divine. Well, then, holy smokes, if, if the state of Connecticut is the 46th or 47th least religious state in the Union, I mean, for people in Connecticut, this can be a really, really challenging, yeah. really challenging mm-hmm. thing. No, I hear divine you. being.
0: I'm thinking of G.K. Chesterton. It's said, great things can only be understood on small stages, and I feel like you know that. That's, that oh, uh, wow,
2: that is a cool <laughs> statement.
0: It is a great statement. Uh, I wish I'd thought of it myself. But he, <laughs> but I feel like there's something to that in the sense that God, you know, makes us in God's image, and, and our responsibility is to love one another, and that's how we love God. And I think that's kind of what Jesus gets at in these exchanges about love. Um, we we should wrap up so people aren't uh, getting too much. But a word about Halloween—30 seconds. I have to preach on Halloween, <laughs> and it, apparently, Halloween is the second most popular holiday in our culture. Is that right? Wow, next nice. to Christmas. I know.
1: Who would have guessed? I know.
0: It? I know. But I also poor Easter,
1: but also cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, but not. I think in the culture, you know, Halloween trumps Easter. Oh, totally.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I totally believe that.
0: And um, I read something really interesting about about this with Halloween, that when else do our our neighborhoods open up our doors to children and hand out gifts freely and, you know, receive the gremlins and goblins and angels and princesses all alike, you know, pat them on the head, say they're beautiful, give them sweetness. And, you know, I I think Mm. that's kind of special... um, upside down kind of icon to think yeah, about, yeah. you know Halloween being a little moment of loving our neighbors as ourselves, and the ha- our, you know they 're not checking voter registrations of the parents or vaccine cards, and you know we 're just opening our doors, and I, I think that's kind of a beautiful picture of what Halloween can look like,
1: and all that we can love via sugar that's really good. We <laughs> talked several weeks uh, ago about cool. salt.
0: I Which think is that scripts. Jesus had sugar
1: in there originally.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> no, that's incredibly beautiful. I love that. Yeah. That's a way to um to reclaim perhaps um our secular observation of halloween as a spiritual practice yeah. given that halloween mm-hmm. although it certainly also has pagan roots but also mm-hmm. is a is it i mean i think halloween is a christian holiday yeah, it's the eve, eve of all hallows eve. Yeah. Uh, it's the eve of the feast of all hallows preparing um, to honor all saints. our saints yeah, yeah totally
0: yeah Oof. okay well we need a second installment for this one but um anyway we'll have to just wait for a sermon <laughs> Uh, Thanks for joining us today. We're so uh, happy to be continuing on this path, getting revved up for Sunday. So join us at at church on Sunday by stream or in in person. And please uh, like, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast uh, wherever you watch it. And thanks for joining us. Have a blessed week.